This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. I encourage you to reread that passage of Scripture when you get home. Pay close attention to the wording that is given there and the thoughts that are being expressed there. We live in a very fortunate time as we want to view it. For about the last 600 years of human history, we have been very privileged to have God's Word written, distributed, where individuals could have access to it. Before that time, it was kept safe and only the priests had access to the Word. The people did not. And it's important for us to consider what is being said in light of what the Scripture was, that was read this morning had to say. 
As you read the scriptures, it's important to consider again what's being said, who's saying it, to whom are they speaking, and what is the lesson that we can gain from it. Always through Luke, as he's writing to those who seem to have a Gentile background, those who were not of the Jewish faith, trying to tell them and remind them of what they had available to them. Hard to imagine living a time when there was no hope as it appeared for those that were not of the Jewish faith. But then it's hard to imagine again the arrogance that took place in the Jews as to who they were and not wanting to, at times, if you will, to include those who were not of that Jewish faith. Back in chapter 9, As he closed out that chapter, verse 62, Jesus said to him, the one who asked the question, what they wanted to do, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Once you made a decision to serve God, once you made a decision to follow him, there is to be no turning back. But as the Jews of old, who had prided themselves somewhat and as to who they were, what they had been entrusted with, and how they were God's chosen people, they viewed things in light of what they were capable of doing. And as we go into chapter 10, we see it brought out a little bit as Jesus is given power to disciples of his to do various things. He appointed 70 others also. He sent them two by two before his face to every city and place where he himself was about to go. He talks about the fact that harvest was truly great, but the laborers were few. They really hadn't grasped exactly what that harvest was and what was to be involved as they went forth. He talks about the woes of the various cities in chapter 10, verse 13 and following. But it's at 17 where we see an attitude being expressed by those who were God's people. That if we're not careful, is an attitude that we pick up and that we express from time to time. Then when the, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. But it's verse 20. 
You're going to be able to do great things. That hasn't changed for God's people. Great things lie on the horizon for us. And we'll be able to do great things, but we need to have an understanding that sometimes people of God forget. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that you're going to be able to do great things, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. But how many times do God people want to rejoice in what they have done as if they had done it and forget the power of God working within our life. As we sang in the first song, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. We are vessels. The power is not in us. The power is in God who works through us. But human beings have that tendency of wanting to believe it's because of what they had done, how they had done it, and what they used in accomplishing that, and fail to give the glory to where it belongs. That's why we're saying in the second song, heaven holds all to me. It's not here. Yea, we can rejoice in being servants of God. Yea, we can rejoice in being those that God has, is using to accomplish his purpose and his goal. And for us to remember again, it's his working through us. It's not us, ourselves doing these great things for God. And at times we do have to remind ourselves, why did my Savior come to earth? And why did he give his life? Who are we? that the Son of God would so choose to leave the glory of heaven and to become a servant, a slave here on this earth. And who are we that the Son of God who came to this earth would be willing to sacrifice his life as an atonement, as a ransom, for our sins and not our sins only but the sins of the whole world why would he do that knowing that the majority of the world would not accept what he has done it's not us that gospel is for all it's not us Anyone who responds to that gospel has become that child of God. And whoever responds to that gospel has, as we call them, talents given to them, capabilities. Maybe one, maybe five, two, maybe five. 
doesn't matter, but it's God who gave them. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 18, it's God who placed us in the body just as it has, what? Pleased him. He does the placing. We're just the vessels. Sometimes those vessels do become arrogant. Sometimes those vessels do want to pride themselves and what they have been able to do. And forget it's not them. It's God working through them. Reminds us, verse 22, that all things have been delivered to him, to Jesus, by the Father. He turned to his disciples in 23 and said to them privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see. And have not seen it. And to hear what you have heard. And not, and not heard it. You're blessed. We're blessed. For about 1400 years. The Bible was not freely accessible. To all. How blessed you are just to have it in your hand and to be able to read it. The importance is brought out in the reading this morning. But notice how it is approached. And it is and is this how we approach it sometimes? A certain lawyer not one that dealt with the civil court system. A lawyer, the religious realm, who studied the law of Moses. One who had access to God's word. One who saw themselves in an enlightened position. Sound familiar to us that that's how we see our, ourselves at times. Stood up. But he didn't stand up to hear. He stood up to justify who he was. Paul would remind the Corinthians, let him who stand take heed lest he fall. This lawyer wanted to test Jesus. He had been around. He's in the section where the 70 had come back and talked about the miraculous things that they had done. How even the demons were subject to them. They had seen or heard about the miracles that Jesus had done and performed. The words that he had spoken and telling his disciples. You are 
you do not realize how blessed you are. You've heard things that others have longed and desired to see and to hear. You're blessed. Until that printed page came and the Bible was given into the common language of the people. One of the first translations, or one of the first Bibles that were given for translation, but it was in the Latin language, the Gutenberg Bible. Not many people read Latin. So it really wasn't available to them. But it began to be translated into the common language that was spoken at that day. And then it comes down to us. Do we realize how blessed we are, again, to have access to it? To hear things and to read things that those who do not have it long to hear and long to see. But he was going to test Jesus. Looking for eternal life. What God's people would do. Want to look for eternal life. Teacher. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? The sincerity is not there. The testing. I want to justify who I am. And I want to justify what I'm doing. That this gives me the right to eternal life. What must I do to have eternal life? And we need to listen to the response that is given in 26. Two questions. Interesting, isn't it? What have you read in the scriptures? What's your understanding of what you read in the scriptures? about what you must do for eternal life. But more than that, what is your reading of it? Here's what it says. Tell me what it says. But what is your understanding of what it says? What application are you making out of what you read? Do we grasp what's being said? Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's what's written. How do you understand what is written? So we live in a society. They had it in their day. They had the different sects of uh, the Jewish religion there. The Pharisees who wanted to interpret it script, uh, strictly. The Sadducees who read, but didn't want to understand what it said. For example, they did not believe in a resurrection. So what's your reading of it? How do you understand what you're reading? We live in a religious world today that is so divided. That in what we would call Christianity, even in the broadest sense, 
has so many divisions that you cannot even count them. What do you read, and how do you understand what you're reading? There's where the problem lies. He could say what was there. He's going to tell them what, is, what it was written. But he also seemed to have understood that there was something that wasn't right. And what he had, as to what he had understood in what he was reading. It's that personal application that has to take place. And so he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And again, he knew the scripture. We know that scripture, do we not? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. But how do you read it? How do you understand what it says? What's involving in loving God with the totality of your being? What does that require of you? What is expected of you if you make that statement? What are you saying? How do you read it? What's your reading of it? How do you understand what's being written? You knew to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' response. You've answered right. You've got the right answer. Now go do it. And as human beings, we come back. I know what it says. But what does it really mean? Who, who is my neighbor? I'm to love my neighbor as myself. Who is my neighbor? Do we really want to hear the answer? Are we trying to justify what we're doing? And saying, well, I'm considering my neighbors, the ones that live around me, and so on and so forth. Do we really understand what he's saying, or what it means to love your neighbor as yourself? You read in scriptures. What's your understanding of what you're reading? And it's interesting, when he asked the question, who is my neighbor? As you read the rest of it, as we read this morning. That lawyer has to give the answer to his question. He's given the scenario of what's involved. He has an understanding of what's involved because Jesus used that word that was horrible to the Jews. Samaritan. They was what we would call a half-breed from a Jewish background that had intermarried with the people of the land when they went into Babylonian captivity. And as a result of the intermarriage with the people of the land, they changed how they worshiped God and what they did in service. And when the Jews came back, they wanted nothing to do with these Samaritans. 
who had developed their own system of worship. And so this lawyer is listening to what Jesus is saying. So who is the neighbor? Jesus asked the lawyer. You said you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Who is the neighbor? Been brought out from time to time, whether it's truly accurate or not, it doesn't matter. He does, he does not use the word Samaritan. He just simply says the one who did good. So, go and do likewise. We have that responsibility of being entrusted with the oracles of God. We have the responsibility with the oracles of God to be those who share that with those with whom they come in contact with, whoever they may be. But it is with the understanding and with the responsibility that, again, it's never us. Look what we have done. Look what we are doing. Look what we are planning to do. Know how is God using us in accomplishing of his will and of his purpose. It involves attitudes and characteristics that basically are foreign to us as human beings. What do you mean love your enemy as yourself? What do you mean do good unto those who despitefully use you and persecute you? What do you mean? To go into all the world to all those people and give them an opportunity for salvation through Jesus Christ. Who do we think we are? Are we the chosen vessels? Or are we vessels? that God chooses to work through. There's a difference. So as you read, we read the account here in Luke. As you read scriptures, stop and think about what God has entrusted into your hands. He is entrusted into your hands something that is beyond description. He's entrusted into your hands something, a treasure that is worth anything, more than anything that this earth can offer. He's entrusted into your hands this treasure that he does expect you to use and to share. What will you do with Jesus? How will you serve him? So many times we are, as the invitation song suggests, we're only a step. We're only a step away. question will always be, will we take that step? Will we take that step and come to the Savior?
while there is yet time, where we take that step and be the servant that finds that true joy in doing the will of the Father, regardless of what man may do to us. As you read, as you study, and as you examine your life, is it where God wants you to be? Or do you need to take that step? If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way in doing that, then we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.